Hi, welcome to Feed the Q, the ultimate podcast discovery podcast. I'm Devin. I work at Tink Media, a podcast marketing company. In this episode, we're bringing you a sonic scrapbook that will delight your ears and an interview that will ignite your soul with inspiration. Get ready. to listen sometimes to podcasts and sometimes to music and sometimes to audiobooks stay tuned if you like recommendations we're gonna bring them to your ears we'll share with you some things we've been loving and we'll try to your cue. When you hear the phrase sonic scrapbook, what do you imagine? Scrapbooks can be such fun places to pull together a mood or memories to transport you. They can transport you to moments you live through or things you hope to. And honestly, that really does capture the essence of the podcast we're featuring in this episode. Low Lines is part travel log, part audio montage, and it reminds us to take our connections offline so we can really feel the pulse of the places we go. This is a brand new six episode series and it's already capturing lots of attention for its unique sound and stories. Before we get into these sonic travels, we have a special interview with Petra Baron, the creator and host of Low Lines. Tink Media's own Shreya Sharma, who you may know from previous episodes and as a writer of Podcast Marketing Magic, is joining this episode to interview Petra. As a fellow traveler herself, Shreya speaks with Petra about why she felt the pull to get low and create the show, how she picked the six places she visited, and what it was like to turn all her raw audio into the polished series it is today. Hi, everybody. This is Shreya from Tink, and I have Petra Barron, who is the host of Low Lines with me. Before I get into asking Petra a lot of deep, personal, intimate questions, Petra, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, Shreya, hi. What would you like to know? There's so many questions. Let's start with what was the brain worm that made you decide to call this podcast Low Lines? Oh, okay. So, first of all, the brain worm of the ground and soil and the energy of the earth and the energy of place and the frequencies and the vibrations and the the life that a place inhabit was these were all themes that were like had swirled around for a while but they were getting louder and louder during the pandemic and I was you know I was drawing diagrams and you know like that's how I often visualize things I draw diagrams and I link things I do mind maps and everything and and I went off traveling and I was just kind of following the breadcrumbs as I call it um and just I was in Mexico which is a very grounded place um very connected to the moon but also very connected to the ground and um I was just like it's ground it's something about the ground but it and I had literally like 50 different names I was like ground juice ground jelly ground um, I, I was actually looking at the list earlier, all these different grand things. And 
I was like, it's ground juice. It's like the juice that you can get out of place. And everyone was like, you can't call it ground juice. That's disgusting. Um, so I was like, okay. And then I was, then I kind of went through a whole load of other names. I was like, um, okay, I've come up with a name and it's ground rapport. And everyone was like, ground report. I'm like, no, ground report. So I was like, you can't call it that because you have to keep on repeating it. And then it was just nameless for ages. And then when I linked up with Lucia and Lena producers, Lucia had a dream about it. And I'd, I'd only met her once and she came on the call and she's like, I've had an idea for the name. It's low lines. And I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Chill. Absolute chills. Oh my God. <clears throat> Sorry, I interrupted you. But I had it's to. It's fine. And I, I it's great. And it, it was, I, I just, it felt good. It felt good. And, and I was like, great, I'll, let's do that. Wonderful. And that is how the name was born. Thank you to Lucia Skatokio. Yeah, no, she's amazing. I've only chatted with her once, um, but she's such a force of nature. Yeah. So shout out to Lucia. I actually thought that it had its roots, and maybe this is how it came in Lucia's brain, I don't know, in the word ley lines, uh, because it's such like a... Um, you know, spiritual and even a cultist kind of a concept of the ley lines and uh, I'm kind of an amateur witch. So like when I'll be in a certain space, I'll be like, oh, I can see the ley lines of this place. And that's where I thought that, yeah, like it was low lines was, you know, a riff off on ley lines. That's where I thought it came from. It absolutely yeah. is as well. I mean, it's it's like it comes from that family. It comes from ley lines. It comes from song lines. It comes from like deep lines into the earth. And it's just uh, it's just a uh, like I wanted low in the word in the name, um, and so it, it it was perfect. Yeah. Oh wow! Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, no, no, I know this story about why you made this podcast and you share it in the prologue episode as well but but what i think i know is the polished version of it what i want to hear from you today is really how that moment happened in london when you realized that you needed to get low in your own words so tell us why you made this podcast in the first place um because i had been wanting to make a podcast of my own for a really long time I I had gone around, you know, I, when I lived in New Orleans, I used to go around and I used to interview people. I used to get in my car, I used to drive off, I used to interview people that I would meet and I never did anything with it and I never really knew what what the sort of form was to it. And and then the pandemic happened and everything changed and then I'm back in London and I'm like, I really want to make a podcast. And uh, I uh, concurrently was just sort of really horrified at the, the tightness in the chest and the cranged outness in the head and scrambled brain and kind of increasingly just getting into the idea of somatic healing, into um, the wisdom of the body, into the stuff that can't be seen but is felt, into... Um, rejecting the norms i mean even you know when we were speaking at the beginning uh, this kind of thing of having to be productive having to be consumptive having to perform our real jobs being to shop you know to keep this whole thing going and it's such a fallacy and the whole you know just 
so many brilliant people, you know, like nap ministry, you know, the sort of like powerful defiance to nap and to, to kind of like take your, take your nap and like this, the, the kind of like going back into your body and allowing yourself that. And, and also just the more you do that and the more I've done it, the more I feel I can, like I can feel places in their vibrations and in their bones. And I can, I can connect to that and I can, um, I feel more alive. I feel more awake. I feel more alert. I feel more powerful. And, um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was just a combination of, of lots of things and, and just really, there's so much meat in all of this stuff around bodies and place and energy lines and connections and, you know, mycelial networks to one another and the way we're all linked in like a vast and rhythmic circle and just wanting to explore that. And it's literally, a, it's, it's literally like a, li- like it says on the podcast, a passport to Rome, but it's like a license to go out and ask questions, not just random conversations with strangers, but like ask questions about those connections um, and tuning into those those low lines and, and, and having a reason to do it. Um, so it, yeah, it was just like, let's just get out there, hit the ground and see what happens, which is my favorite thing to do in the world. You know, I, I now understand why Lord assigned me this clinic because she knows my life and I, I'm a traveler. Um, even when we were growing up, I never stayed in one place for more than three years. Like our family never stayed in one place for more than three years. And the pandemic was especially hard for me because it really felt like being boxed in a place and, you know, you lose the sense of control, which everybody does. And it was hard for everybody. And at the end of the pandemic, I ended up like, you know, losing a lot of people in my life. I mean, they're no longer in my life as in, um, that I thought would be in my lives forever. And they were not. And so in 2021, no, 2022, I packed my bags. I left Vancouver and I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go right now. Um, I have a few homes. I'm really blessed and I can call a lot of places and a lot of, especially my friends and my parents, all of them, like I can call all of their homes, my homes. And I'm just going to go from place to place and then I'll see which place resonates with me. And so I have been on this journey ever since, staying in one place only for three months, going from Airbnb to Airbnb, uh, friend's place to friend's place, like couch to couch, picking up on now I'm going to call low lines um, to see which place resonates with me. And I think I found a place that resonates with me, but it's been such a journey and it's, it's really hard to do. You know, it's really hard to do. Now, that's how I kind of pick the places that I visit. But you had to make these difficult choices as well, I think, because we have like six episodes here. So how did you pick these six places that you visited? They really weren't difficult choices. They were just where, where, I, was, where I felt like going. And, you know, we, we, you said you listened to the first episode in New Orleans. Um, New Orleans is a place that I used to live in. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in, and the reason I went there in the first place was because I was just magnetized to it by things like Dr. John singing 
Greek, Greek gumbo, yeah, yeah, you know, and like just the just the feeling, and um, so that was very easy, and that's a city that has taught me a lot about place and belonging and resonance and how you feel in your body, um, and and how you have like power over your body, and then. Just, just a pull, literally. It's not, it's not, there's, there's no real, I can't really explain it or intellectualize it. It's just, you know, when I was in Mexico City and I heard that there were people resurrecting the Aztec, the ancient Aztec allotments, um, that still hold firm in the city that is sinking on imported materials built by Europeans, you know, all of that stuff sinking and the volcanic, and the kind of like sensibility with the lake and the water of the Aztecs who really were like incredible engineers and they really understood how to work what nature had there. The, the fact that they're still going, you know, that was like, God, I, I want to go check that out. Like that was how this land wanted to be. Not sinking like the fastest sinking place on earth. And, and so it's like, oh, what, who, these people had a, a symbiosis with the land. I want to know about that. And just, yeah, just, just a pull, just a calling. And my friend said to me today, you know, after the listening party we had last night, it was, it's so nice that you put this thing out and you don't have like this real focused goal of where you want it to go. And I was like, but that's how I've always done things. There's no, there's never been, I've never written a business plan. Like, that's just how I just, it's like, this just feels good. Let's pursue it and see where it goes. Cause you know. It's got movement when you put something out there, whatever it is, right? Oh, I cannot agree more with that because uh, so I moved from Dubai is where I was raised and or rather the Gulf region. Um, and I moved from there to Canada uh, in 2017, 2018. And I had no plan. I had no job. I didn't know anybody. And I just had some money saved up. And I just moved. And so many people were like, why why are you doing this? You know, like you have a support system and you're making more money and like all that jazz. So why are you moving? And you're right. You cannot intellectualize that. And now now I can, you know, like in hindsight, I can be like, oh, yes, this was good for X, Y, and Z reason. In that moment, like five, six years ago, I don't know. The universe said so. The universe said I had to. And you know, I'm just a vessel. And so I'm just executing that order or that request, if you will. So I understand. And there's this wonderful quote. I'm reading this book called Dance Your Way Home by Emma Warren. It's all about dance. Um, and, and she quotes DJ Theo Parrish in it. And he says, you've got to listen with your body. And it's, it's something to remember. It sounds so obvious, but we, we're very good at intellectualizing what we think. I'm going to make a note of that. Sorry. I never do this. I never like pull my phone <laughs> when I'm in the middle of something, but I have to make a note of it. It's a great book. Um, but yeah, Theo, DJ Theo Parrish, you've got to listen with your body. Okay. Thank you so much. That's, I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> Thank you. When I, when I listened to the first episode of Low Lives yesterday at the time of recording this, I was walking on this really beautiful pathway by the Vancouver Seawall, which is where I live. And on, on this pathway, there are these bricks 
with words and, and exclamations just engraved on. And in the beginning of the episode, you talk about when was the last time you talk, you know, you thought, I'm going to paraphrase here, thought about your feet, uh, about where they had been um, and the ground that you had walked on. And I remember looking down on the spot that I was standing when the episode came on. And it was a break that simply said, whoa, with an exclamation point. <laughs> it was a really great moment. Um, and it got me thinking, you know, like when during the making of the podcast, you remember looking at your feet specifically and truly realizing their presence and the role they play in this journey that you're undertaking. I, I mean, a lot. A lot because I was, I knew it was about the ground and I was just like, I'm just focused on everything down here. And so I remember walking, I remember getting out, I was driving down to Plaquemines Parish in Louisiana and I remember getting out of the car and going to kind of like explore. There was all this sort of, there's been a tornado and I, I went to explore some kind of like, like a wooded area, but like scrappy wooded area. And I had slides on. And um, I went like I went in there, and it was just so squelchy. And I was like, "Oh my god, this land is so loose. It's so vulnerable. It's so like yielding and ready to kind of go. It's not. This is not solid. You know what I mean? And you, you, it's it's like jelly almost. And yeah, just the fragility. It's like, oh, this this isn't you know this isn't solid. And then equally walking on like concrete you can kind of if you really tune in you can feel that your body doesn't really like it it doesn't it's not how we're supposed to walk you know like i did some qigong classes for a while and the guy was like we're naturally you can't see what i'm doing but we're naturally our feet are supposed to kind of like roll like straight over almost like we're wearing clogs that kind of um movement but with concrete and harder surfaces, our feet have got further and further like penguin-like and out. And that's really jarring for our whole bodies and contributes to so many issues with our spines and our posture and everything like that. Um, so, I mean, I think about that stuff a lot. I, 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 I feel into that stuff a lot. And, you know, sometimes more than others, obviously. But yeah, definitely a lot when I was roaming around. Yeah, wow, that's... So powerful. And I deeply, deeply connect to that. <laughs> and trust me, on a spiritual level, I understand. Thanks for sharing that. So you returned with a raw and real audience. I'm just curious to know what your now producers' reactions were when they received this. Were they challenged? Were they excited? It was like they're both so talented. But I wonder if I was a fly on the wall in that conversation, you know, what would I have witnessed? I I think, you know, me and Lena had an initial conversation. We met up. I'd, I'd emailed her and said, hey, I've got these rough script, scripts I've made. Uh, you know, told her a bit about it. And she said, this sounds interesting. Let's get together. And we had this incredible meeting where I was like, oh, she's amazing. She gets it. She's so smart. She's so tuned in. Um, and I think I think she was yeah I think she just liked how it felt um and we progressed to more conversations and I think that she was excited by the challenge to mess with the format and to do something 
really independent um, in a world of, you know, increasingly needing to sort of uh, mediate content. Um, and I think that felt exciting to her. And in terms of Lucia, I mean, Lucia just is already very much in that space of let's mess around with the dance. Let's kind of stretch it out, make it like fuller and all that thing. And I think she was excited by that. And I think they both, I think they were refreshed by hearing raw tape that had potential, you know, that they could then go and excavate and draw out stuff that was, that felt true and compelling. Um, and I think it was an exciting uh, opportunity for all of us to come together in that way, the amateur, me and the pros then, and create something fresh. Um, and, you know, that required, like Lena said to me today, a lot of trust from me. Yeah, just like feeling our way through it. Like for me, it's like, if I trust people, I don't need to kind of like sort of obsess over the minutiae of everything. It's, it's like, we're doing this. Let's just go with it. And if it feels wrong, okay, draw ourselves back a bit. But um, yeah, it's been very interesting post-test. And uh, a real pleasure, actually, real pleasure. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's come out of the other end is absolutely brilliant. But I think that it would have been given me goosebumps just to even receive that raw audio um, because it was made with such a with so much feeling and so much heart, which which I think is you know it, this is why I love podcasting as well. Audio is specifically is that it has the the power to be stretched and will change the way. And I'm a writer originally, so this is, you know, take it with a grain of salt. So those are all the questions I had, Pedro. Is there anything that you would want to mention or talk about, something I didn't ask that you maybe wish that I would have? I don't think so. I just, um, you know, it's nice talking to you and it's nice that this, um, it's, it's not, it's lovely that this resonates with you and that just, you know, that, that's, again, that's a flow of energy and it's, um, I'm, I'm not like, I don't want to be all like hippie about it, but it's just like, that is a flow of energy and that's important and that's great. And I'm, I'm, it's just, yeah, it's nice to talk about it and, um, thanks for asking question. <laughs> yeah, I know it's such an honor to, to work on it for sure. And to be able to tell people about this, you know, it, it's so good. Like my job right now is just to go out and tell people that you did this, which is really fantastic. So I'm having a great time and the reception has been wonderful. You know, I've been sharing this with my friends and family. Of course, I've been doing the marketing side of things, but I've been like sneakily sharing this with my friends and family as well. And they're loving it and they are excited to listen to this. So thank you. And thank you to you and Lena and Lucia and uh, the whole team behind this. Like Low Lines is such a pleasure and I couldn't recommend it more than I already have. Bless you. Thank you, Shrey. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you so, so very much, uh, Petra and everybody. Thank you. Shreya and Petra's conversation makes it clear what a creative and curious thinker Petra is. And as you'll hear next, that's so present throughout the show. She's a very tuned in person and gets even more tuned into the world during her travels. She took off on this adventure to escape the grind and feel more grounded, taking just an audio recorder with her to capture it all. 
but what the team did with her recordings afterwards is truly a treat to listen to. This is one of those shows that's put so much time and attention into crafting the sound design that at times it feels like they're almost painting with sounds. I should have known not to start the episode without my good headphones on, so that's my advice to you. If you can, right now, I mean, I hope you already had them on already, but put your headphones on and let the story just take you away. This first episode travels to a place with an invigorating pulse that I think you'll feel right away. This is a sonic scrapbook, a passport to Rome, following a pull to tune into the pulse of place, to get closer to the ground, befriending strangers along the way. I'm Petra Barron, and this is Low Lines. Episode one, second line, footwork in New Orleans. Come on with me. When I think of tuning into the pulse of a place, I always think of New Orleans. It's the most human city I know. And over the years, it's drawn me back again and again and again. This is the place where I feel released from my head and more fully in my body. And for me, the second line is the pulse of New Orleans the source and energy of what gives the whole city that unmistakable feeling. Second line, it's a rolling block party. It's a neighbourhood parade. It's an incredible expression of New Orleanian blackness dancing through the streets every Sunday with a freedom and a charge courses right through everything in its path. You just do whatever you want, like the record said, do what you want, do whatever you want. Today I'm back at the second line, pounding along the streets to the Truth Brass Band, getting hot and sweaty and charged. I'm feeling that feeling with everyone dancing and messing up this below sea level streets. 
Some people talk about how the air is thicker here and the light's got currents in it and the ground's bouncy. It is kind of bouncy. You can feel it. And that sweet, humid smell reminding you of what this place is and its bones. This swampland. It's hard to think of a city less like London with its hard lines and its controlled edges increasingly designed to be moved through with speed and efficiency. Other people just objects to get around, try not to touch. It's a hell of a culture, I tell you. You got to just get out in for yourself. I mean, I can't explain, you know, because there's all types of stuff going on. are the opposite of frictionless. There's friction everywhere. It's in all your senses in the best way possible. And it's just on you. And its currents are powerful. Currents of energy, of the past, of this life, and a compounding of music and connections between people. There's currency. And it's not money currency, it's about people bending the city into a new kind of shape through that footwork. You don't have to practice, you just come out here and feel the vibe. If you feel the vibe, you're going to kick a beat. You're going to move a beat, going to move your feet, whatever, you heard me? Hitting those streets every week, the way the feet connect to the street in so many intricate ways. Everyone dancing, second line style. It's inimitable. If you ain't got footwork, you ain't move. That's why you gotta have the footwork. But it, get your beat of the music in one tune, and that's what you move. Stamping out those patterns on the pavement. If it wasn't so swampy, I swear there'd be sparks flying. Footwork is just moving your feet to the beat fast, so keeping up with the tempo, just moving. Get, get it ready. When you got the footwork, you just do what you want. There's an incredible dancer at the second line, Jared DeGroy, whose footwork is mesmerizing and who I know is really tuned into her roots here. I feel like having a conversation with her could provide some real insight, not just on the magnetism and the pull of New Orleans, but also the way we relate to a place when we are truly of it and part of it. So I drove over to Jared's grandma's house in the seventh ward and there was Jared on the porch painting jeans with all these beautiful images of indigenous Louisiana. She took me to the back of the house and we sat down in this quiet room surrounded by loads of family pictures going back generations. Just because it's like, if it wasn't jazz fest right now, I think I would go with the back of the jazz fest. I've been going to Second Lines for years and everyone's got their different way of moving and their different style, but you've got a really specific, beautiful, really light, lovely light style and and so I wanted to talk to you about that because 
second lines are about so many different things, but you know, the most obvious is dancing and using your body. People who come and they dancing and getting into the music and it's super silly and I'm not no party pooper. I don't judge nobody for having fun. If you feeling that music, you feeling that music. However, there also needs to be attention paid to these rhythms and these dances are cultural. It's not just a matter of recreation and fun. And on top of all that, we also are aware of the significance of the dancing. Whether people are doing it consciously or not, the roots of it, we dancing for the dead. We dancing for the dead. And so when you have a whole bunch of other people who come to them, it's just, oh, trombones, brass music, look at the black people jumping around and dancing. Oh, it's so fascinating. It's so fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it is fun and it is nice. But for us, it is different. It carries a different type of weight. It's a release of everything that you're dealing with as a Black New Orleans person. We used to go to Congo Square on Sundays, our ancestors. And so they danced. It was the one day where they were able to dance, where they were allowed to practice their ancestral dances and stuff. New Orleans was the only place where the snedrum was allowed to stay because in Africa the drums was communication. It was powers and spiritual from them drums. And so on Sundays, that was the one day where we could play that and we could practice those ancestral dances. And so then that combined with, you know, when people would die, you'd have the funeral processions and the second line is, is it's the second part of the funeral procession after the casket. As we know them today, it comes from the social aid and pleasure clubs, which were founded as ways to fundraise for the black communities, to fundraise for different things and they were hire brass bands, you know, and people come out. And it's very integrated now. But back in the day, like, if you was from downtown, you was not going to no uptown second line. When I dance, I feel whole. I see that footwork from them indigenous people. I've looked at videos of them people at them powwows, them plains tribes and stuff, and how they dance to them chants, you know? And then you look at videos of people from the Caribbean. You look at videos of people from West Africa, and you see, wow, I've never been to any of these places, but I'm doing the same movements very naturally, very fluidly. When I'm dancing and I see myself, I don't have no kind of body dysphoria. I don't have nothing like that. You know, I feel beautiful and I feel sensual, but not in a way that's like sexual. all come down to rhythm. I tell people all the time, like, they be so intimidated by it, but if you have rhythm, you can pretty much do any sort of, like, foot-based dance like that. It's very mathematical to me. Like, when I look at videos of myself dancing and I look at how my feet move and I look at the angles that they move in, like, I see the shapes. What those different numbers add up to and like what kind of frequencies they putting out into the world. 
footwork feels so skillful when I do it because I'm like, I can't believe my body is doing this. I can't believe my feet know how to do this because I didn't always know how. I mean, maybe subconsciously, ancestrally I did. But when I got it in me to decide, like, I want to be like my mama and I want to be at the second lines and I want to really do it, do it. I had to practice. Footwork, second lining, aided me in just overcoming fear. It helped me to be free in the movement of my body. It helped me align with my body. It helped me align with things like my femininity and my gender identity. And, you know, it helped me overcome even things with, like, imposter syndrome. Being a Katrina baby and stuff, being removed, you kind of have that feeling of, do I actually belong? You know, am I actually entitled to these things? It's something that's in you. You're born with that. It's something that is granted. It's a power. If everything in this city, we lose our physical hold on it, we're going to have that footwork and we're going to be able to stand in that cockiness, you know, of this is something that you cannot have. The way I see it is it's currency. And at the second line, if you've got footwork, you've got currency. And you can say, oh, you can just jump up and down, hop, whatever, all you like. But at the end of the day, it's the people that are really connecting with the ground, but with their bodies and really free in their bodies to the beat, catching the beat that they've got the currency, they've got the capital. You can't buy that. You could have the richest, financially richest person in the world there. And if they're stumbling around, they've got no currency in that space. And that's what I love observing, you know, like how currency operates, social capital, cultural capital. When you start dancing, it don't matter what you look like. It don't matter what you're wearing. It don't matter none of that. It literally only matters is feet, you know, like the eyes are on your feet. A lot of dances are body centered. And even though second line do involve the body. The energy is all on that lower part. And for it to just be like, you look at who we are in the history of the commodification of our bodies sexually, you know, labor wise, all that. And you look at something, just like you're saying, like that sort of currency. Yes, it is our own communal currency, but it ain't about buying and purchasing, you know. It's not even about gaining anything. It's just life. It's just being outside and being around. And at the most, if you want to say it, what it brings, it might bring you sort of the the uplift from your own people. You get the smiles and you get the genuineness in people's eyes and you get the truth of affection, true affection. You know, and this is a small city, so a lot of us, even if we're not related, we relate so you have that energy of like, I imagine it, like when you got a second line, you around people you always been around. You're around, you know, people who have known you across your lifetimes. You know, I go all over the place and I lived here. I moved to New Orleans because of that feeling that everyone falls in love with. And when I talk to other people and I say, oh yeah, I lived in New Orleans or I went to New Orleans or anything about New Orleans, even if they've never been there, their eyes light up and people go, oh my God, it sounds so amazing, it sounds so amazing. And I say, yeah, there's a lot of light. 
but there's a lot of dark there and you need to start understanding where the light comes from. There is history of this land that goes far back beyond Bienville and Iberville coming and saying, oh, we're going to call this New Orleans. The land had a name. It was Bobacha, which means land of many tongues. This didn't become a port just because the French came and said, oh, we're going to make this a port. It was already a port city. This was a place of congregation for many, many ethnicities, hence the name Land of Many Tongues. You know, we're part of the United States, but we're almost like a colony than we are like maybe other parts of the states. The water from the Gulf is rising, eating up the coast. We deal with things here, a whole bunch of stuff. I don't understand, honestly, how anybody could come and sort of like just be so so oblivious, so like kind of willfully ignorant to the realities of what's going on. And I know that like our human brains and the things we deal with, I guess they only can take on so much trauma, so much drama. But for us, I guess it's like we're living in it. We are it, so we can't ignore it. And then when you see other people that are able to come and they're able to not only indulge in the resources, but capitalize off the resources, capitalize off of our knowledge, capitalize off of our skill sets. And we struggle when a hurricane comes. We struggle just to get out the city from a hurricane, let alone all the stuff that comes after. And even then, after all that, after all we deal with, we still manage to make the second lines of stuff happen. We still manage to show up. We still manage to dance, to use our bodies, to practice these things, to persist. And it's very surreal living on this land. You have that awareness of like, I am more than what your history says and I know that my bloodlines is deep. I know that my bloodlines are here even before y'all enslaved me on my own land. You know, they say that the number one thing to feel a sense of well-being in the place that you live is to be able to greet a stranger and have the stranger greet you back. It's as simple as that. And that doesn't happen in that many places anymore. It happens here. And, you know, the saying they talk about, I think, therefore I am, it's very sort of capitalist. I think, therefore I am. And it's all up in the head. Whereas in West Africa, the saying is, I participate therefore I am and that feels like what this city is rich with and what a lot of people who don't come up with that way of being connect to when they're here and they miss it like they grieve it they don't they don't have it and they they want to have it but they don't know how to have it other than to come and spectate and extract right and a big problem comes with and that's just colonialism in general People wanting to go and occupy space, land. But it's like, 
you don't know how to take care of the land that you want to occupy. You want to be here, but when we talk about spirits and we talk about our ancestors and we talk about the trees and the animals being more than just tools for your building, we're not asking you. We're just telling you, like, this is our reality and it's just that, you know? And so when it comes to being here, you look at a land like this and you look at how fragile it is. You look at how it can be so topsy-turvy. You look at how we as black people, indigenous people, have been treated, are treated, etc., etc. But this land can literally not exist without us. Like here, the basis of the swamp ecosystem is the crawfish. It's largely overlooked, but it's extremely important for a swamp ecosystem. You take that away, everything crumbles. With us, it's no different. And humans have this thing of, maybe it's a Western thing, of detaching yourself from nature. But with us and the way our bodies function in these spaces, we are the nature. We are as important as the trees, as the birds, as everything. What you don't understand is that if the weather comes, if we all gone, our bodies is all gone, these trees have no reason to protect you anymore. These animals have no reason to communicate with the earth on your behalf anymore. There's no reason to keep the water from coming. There's no reason to keep the soil from sinking in and everything just turning to dust. And what you're left with is essentially a big old space that you think you own because you bought it with your money. My thing that I'm always thinking about is... What is the actual plan? Like, what are you actually going to do? I guess that's part of the nature of that sort of sickness that capitalism is. It's a poison. It's toxic. You don't move with sense. It renders you nonsensical. You know, like you you lose the ability to think with clarity. So you don't process that, oh, if I go to a place and eradicate the indigenous people. Or you think you're thinking... Because you're using your brain and you're using rationality and you're using reason and you're using efficiency, but you're not thinking with your whole being. There's so much attention given to up here in the head and no attention given to intuition and the body and feeling and vibrations. And and we're trained not to trust any of those things yeah not to trust intuition not to trust feeling not to trust none of that the brain is everything and the body is just a vehicle to carry the head around with it's like a disassociation yeah and so and it's funny because i sometimes i'm wondering do i have disassociation problems i feel like i disassociate from the capitalistic stuff and when i ground myself in what's natural to me it's like okay this feels right But everything around me is saying that, like, this is wrong. But it doesn't feel wrong. Like, things are adding up in my life. The more I settle into sort of, like, that indigenous lifestyle. People look at me like I'm crazy all the time. I don't drive. I refuse to drive. I walk everywhere. And when I tell people, like, the distances that I walk, I walk from here all the way uptown and back. And when I walk, I find that I get everywhere right when I'm supposed to get there. My days float.
I am dealing with the real, real reality, as many people are, of our ancestors built this thing up. And you think about all that's been overcome. You think about all the changing and the healing and the growing and the rising. But then we still having very, very real, tangible concerns about it's still so easy to just be knocked to the side if somebody just decided. And even though I want to be gung-ho activist and I want to fight for everything, I also want to be happy. And so there's this sort of teeter-totter that's like, I'm going to hold on for as long as I can hold on. Because if I get to choose, I would die for this place. You know, I would put my life on the line to preserve this land. I know that the trees I'm walking past, I know that the waterways I'm walking past, I know that the birds I'm seeing, I know that they all know me from long, long time. And so the energy of leaving comes down to like, well, why should I give up my placement here? And people can be so tone deaf. Y'all know y'all a sinking city. Y'all gonna sink as this, this, and this, and this. And People don't understand why we're like so stubborn in it. You look at all the people when hurricanes and stuff come in, they like, we not going. Because the trauma from being displaced by storms like Katrina, it's one thing to leave home by choice. It's another thing altogether to be removed from your home because you, you don't have no choice. You get displaced, whether it be by nature, genocide, slavery. For us, all those things are in our DNA. So when you do come back, as I did, when I came back, I rooted myself so deep because I knew what it was like to not be here for so long. And so I cherish it and I hold it to me and I'm not too keen on the idea of running away from it. My body literally is designed to live among these cypresses. you to everyone who contributed to this episode and who have shown me and hopefully you about the power of coming back into our bodies honoring your roots connecting vehemently to place and taking the time to understand where you are thank you to jared for sharing so much you can find more of her wisdom on the low lines website that's low-lines.com and to Jared's favourite band, the Truth Brass Band, for the music. And to the old and new style fellas, Social Aid and Pleasure Club, for the parade I recorded at. And for everyone that took a moment to talk with me in between catching the beat. To AJ, Keisha, Paula, Joe, Stanley, Ducky, Harold, Tana, Herman, Charles. Thanks for listening.
Low Lines was created and recorded by me, Petra Barron, produced, edited, and sound designed by Lucia Scazzocchio at Social Broadcasts, and executive produced by Lena Presswood at Scenery Studios. The original score is by Hannah Marshall, with mixing by Yabina Tinnemans. The show artwork was created by David Masha. Next time on Low Lines. When I take a boat through there, my GPS, which I bought the software five years ago, on the screen, you're driving over land. If you're just looking at the screen, you go to turn, and then you realize it's just 10,000 acres of open water now instead of marsh. Join me as I drive down south from New Orleans to Plaquemines Parish, Louisiana. I love that you can feel Petra get swept up in the energy of New Orleans almost immediately. Did this episode make you want to escape to a new place? Or reconnect one that will jolt you from everyday life? Or maybe seek connections with people? Because like Petra tells us, it's so much more than just changing your geography. It's the people that make us feel something about a place. I guess that's the power of a sonic scrapbook. If this episode made you feel inspired to take a trip or seek a new connection, we would love to hear about it. Leave us a review and tell us how it moved you. We'll also be sure to share your thoughts with Petra too. Low Lines is a six episode series and you can find the next episodes in your favorite podcast app right now. For all things Tink Media and Feed the Q, find us at tinkmedia.co or follow us on social at tinkmedia. Thanks for listening. With us around, you'll never run out of things to listen to. With us around.